Hi, howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Take More Nick. Let's take more Nick. Mmm, y'all hear what I say. Let's take more Nick. For your mother and your brother, we gonna hear from Eric and Devante. It's strange times and these are strange days. And it's strange people living strange ways. So we expect Let's take more Nick. This is your boy, Devante. And this is Eric. And today's guest, of course, is another person from the gym, a friend of mine. <laughs> actually listened to our first two episodes and hit me up on Instagram. This is the type of DM sliding that we encourage. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, dude, I really like what you guys are saying. And he feels as if he has some good stuff that other people could really listen to and take in. So thank you for being on here, my friend. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, yes, sir. Like I said, I, I listened to your first episodes and I just, something was calling me. Something was like, hey, mm. you got to get on this podcast and you got to just, just say what's up. And that's that's why I'm here today. So I really want to say thank you guys for having me on. And yeah, and yeah I'm excited to kind of share my story and, you know, maybe I can help someone out along the way too. So mm. He was just telling us before we started recording that he grew up here in Fort Collins and he's actually getting ready to leave next week. Yep, yeah, on Thursday actually. So yeah, he's yeah. getting ready to move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> See a lot of hesitant in there, but yeah. So you were you were saying you wanted to move to Florida because you think you need a change of pace. Pretty much. So like I said, I I grew up in this town, right? You know, I went to the high school here, the middle school all that stuff. And it's kind of all I've known. And I've created this bubble and everything of comfort, right? And I want to break through that that bubble, you know, experience some discomfort so I can grow and, and just kind of see a different way of life, you know? And obviously, Florida is definitely the other side of a coin of, of Colorado, right? So I told myself I'd, I'd force myself to give it a year, give it a try, see what it's like down there. And if I really do hate it, then I'm an adult. I'll just get up and move again. You know, that's that's what's beautiful is there's 50 states. So <laughs> why, not, why not just try them all? <laughs> right. That's, that's very true. Isaac's also 22. So he's doing this pretty, pretty young. Right. So I'm 22 and I've been here so long and it's all I've known. But yet I have so much more to go. You know, mm -hmm. it's like. I barely live an eighth of my life right now. I'm nervous. I'm excited. There's a whole range of emotions with it, but oh, you know, I'm I'm gun ho and I'm ready. So Absolutely. I got a plan and it's it's happening. So yeah. before I go, I you know, like I said, I want to hop on this podcast and just kind of share some stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, as it is now, I'm I'm 22. I have two older brothers. They're they're half brothers and grew up with them in and out the house and then. Um, bounced around between my mom and my aunt and everything. And there was just some issues at the home life there. You know, my two older brothers, they were a little wrapped up in some drugs and everything. They kind of had their stuff going on. So sometimes you had to kind of separate from them to kind of get out of that situation, right? So I was with my mom, with my aunt a lot, kind of bouncing back and forth. And when I was about 16, my mom, she decided, you know, she was ready to kind of call it quits here in Fort Collins too. So she moved to, I think, Virginia. And just kind of retired and, you know, she sold her house here, bought some land out there and just hung out. So I decided to stay back with my aunt, but I wasn't, wasn't too thrilled about that. 
you know, the whole point was to grind and kind of make it out of my aunt's house, right? So, you know, while in high school, I put in the the overtime at Arby's. <laughs> good old Arby's. Good they, old Arby's, they right? have the meats. Pretty much. So 40-plus <laughs> hours while in high school. And, man, I barely passed high school, but mm-hmm. sure as shit enough, I, I passed. And uh, on the day I graduated, I went and I moved on my own. And that was, that was when it kind of really all started for me right there. You know, I was the first of all my friends to get a car, first of all my friends to move out, and first of all my friends to kind of get my own sense of independence, right? Mm -hmm. And what did we do with that? Of course, we we party our asses off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know where I was moving to, but I moved into kind of a college, it's not a college dorm, but it's kind of where you go to after the dorms, you know, one of those student living type houses with random roommates, right? So at 18, I had access to, you know, alcohol and I had my med card. So I had access to, you know, I could just walk into dispensary at 18, buy some weed, walk out, you know, and it was funny because they later switched the law to where, you know, you couldn't buy nicotine until you're 21. So when I turned like 19 or 20, I I could buy weed, but I couldn't buy blunt wraps for weed. Right. So it was kind of ironic in that sense. Chewing on it. Pretty much. (laughs) We were we were in the house and we had we finally had freedom and we didn't really know what to do with it so we just kind of we just kind of did what the older people there did and you know we drank and we smoked and admittedly we we did more than we should have and mm-hmm. caused a lot of a lot of turmoil kind of in that house you know it was it was a pretty toxic environment with with my roommates and everything there between all of you guys like, yeah okay and it, you you were living with some friends at the time or was these were they all strangers they were all just random strangers they were all strangers right? okay some of them went to CSU some of them worked I think all of them went to CSU I was going to the community college front range here cuz you know obviously working at Arby's and stuff I graduated high school with straight D's across the board the bare minimum to graduate and all my friends were going to CSU and I just had this idea in my head. I was like, man, if you're all going to college, I got to go to college. So I applied to CSU and they're like, no, <laughs> not, not with that attendance, not with that grades, not with that record. You, you got to do something else. So I went to a community college and I don't regret it. I really, I really I'm am happy, happy I decided to go to Front Range instead of CSU because saves you a lot of money. No, it sure did. And also just the atmosphere there is way different. CSU, you have a professor and there's always a level of like ego with professors and stuff at CSU <laughs> versus, versus, you know, front range. My teacher, he's like, Hey, my name's John. I'm just some guy. I, you know, I run a dance studio during the week and I do this every other Thursday. So it's just kind of the atmosphere is kind of different. The pressure's a little, little less than it would be at CSU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just found that I respected the teachers more because they were. They were just some guy teaching a class, and people I went to school with, they were all much, much older than me. You know, they were in their 30s, 40s, and stuff, and they all had careers and everything. And during this, of course, I was working, you know, I've worked at a car wash. I worked at pizza places before while I was going to Front Range, and I was I was hustling. I was working 40 hours and doing school at the same time while living in this environment with these roommates, you know, that were all older than me and they all didn't have jobs or anything. They were just kind of living off their parents' income. And we just had a lot of turmoil in that house. And should you put four random guys in a house, obviously there's going to be some beef eventually, you know. especially when testosterone. You, right. Especially when you throw in drugs and alcohol in the mix, it just is adding fuel to gasoline or sorry, 
gasoline to the fire. <laughs> I was starting on the words right there. But, you know, I had, I had two very good friends that stuck with me after high school. They were with me through it all pretty much, you know, through the, the, the happiest times and the darkest times of my life. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad they were there for me mm-hmm. during those. Do you think whenever you were graduating high school, do you think that you're going to go down a, a bad path once you moved out and you were around all of this alcohol and other substances? Do you feel like you were going to go down a bad path and your two friends really helped you through that? I, w- I would say so. So like I said, my, my two older brothers, they, they were rolling around with some drugs mm-hmm. and you know it wasn't just like the hey, let's go party on the weekends and this house type of drugs. I mean, it was like the street type of drugs, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And and I always was like, thought that I was predispositioned to kind of be an addict and everything and that I was going to end up like that. So I really hustled to be better than that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I always just told myself, you know, the alcohol and the weed, I was like, man, I'm not shooting it up, so it's okay, right? That was kind of the, the mindset of it. But I, I did have this underlying mindset when I was younger, that I was going to be predispositioned to end up like my brothers. And that really wasn't true. So when I, I kind of, when I'm my senior year in high school, I kind of switched my mentality and I was like, man, I'm leaving all that stuff behind, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be like any one of my family. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to end up going down a route that I, I don't want to. So part of that drove my, my mindset to grind out and to, to kind of almost prove myself wrong in that aspect of where like, hey, I can hold down a job, I can go to school, and I can get fucked up on the weekends, and it, it can all be good, right? And to a lesser extent, that was somewhat true, you know? But with the drinking and the, the smoking, there definitely did come some some negative points in my life with it, you know. I remember at that one house, and I had a really bad night where, you know, I was all hung up over a girl and everything, and man, I was just drinking and drinking and drinking, and all my friends were there, and we were partying, and call it Blackout Friday. I got so drunk that I, I blacked out, and, you know, I was a real asshole when I was blacking out, and, you know, I didn't know what was really going on, and eventually what happened was, I guess when I was drunk, this, this one girl hit me up and she was rolling into a lot of drugs during the time, you know? So she came over and I was just so black out and stuff. And my friends were all there. They were all drinking everything. And, you know, I was so drunk that these, I was, I was so drunk that I was just being belligerent. Right. And my roommate was getting annoyed with it. And eventually what happened was, you know, I was just all asleep and in my bed and everything. And this dude comes up to upstairs, right, and just starts socking me in the face as I'm asleep and everything. And I don't know what's going on, right? I go to try and talk to him, right? And as I talk to him, he, like, pushes me and slams my head in the wall. At that point, I'm like, all right, bitch, fight on. Fight's on. Let's go, you know? So I just start hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And we get in a tussle and everything. And during all this, that one girl I invited over, she snagged my homie's car keys, right, And, and took off with his car. While I'm so drunk, out of control, tussling with my roommate and everything, this this one girl who was running around on drugs, who I invited in, was able to go and steal my one of my best friend's cars. Right, my roommate at the time, you know, he ended up he was he was on a lot of drugs too, and he he called the cops, told the cops that I was attacking him, everything, and the cops came and they're like, "Damn, everybody here is just drunk. We're giving you both tickets. If y'all call us again, you're both going to jail. Have a good night, guys." 
pretty much was simple as that. So I woke up the next day, you know, feeling like shit. I was injured, right? Hungover. You know, I had a, a charge for the first time in my adult life, right? And then my best friend's car was was gone. And I was just guilt stricken. I was, I didn't, I didn't really know what, what to do or, or how to feel. Right. So I was, that was just so surreal. And it's because I just didn't control myself with, with drinking that night. Right. Cause I was young and I was, I had free open range, no adult supervision. And I just took it to level 10. And that was, that was probably one like stuff really started getting pretty dark in my life right there. My friend who's been there with me since high school and stuff, he lost, he lost his car that day and he never, he never got it back. And that really was the first time that I was like, damn, I just, I want to go somewhere. I want to disappear and I, I never want to be seen again type, you Mm -hmm. know, I really had that mindset. So did you see that moment as if it could be a slippery slope for you? Like you could, you could actually see the, the dark side of the substances. Oh, ab- absolutely. I just was almost in, in denial of it the whole time until that really hit me right then and there that morning where, you know, my head was throbbing, my shoulder was all messed up, you know, my friend's car was gone. I was like, damn, this is this is all because this was all because of me and the choices I made to drink like that, you know, to to take it to a whole new level of of drinking that I've never done before. And you get caught in the what what ifs, you know, what if I didn't do this? What if this happened this way? But the underlying thing is that if I was in more control of myself, that situation would have been much different than it was. And the reason why I wasn't in control was because of the alcohol. So it it definitely started clicking with me with that slippery slope. And that was at 18. This all happened when you were 18. Um, I, I think I had just turned 19. So this was like maybe like a month after I was 19, right? Okay, but pretty new to you living on your own. Yeah, yeah. This was probably like first semester. This was first semester of college, right? This was kind of the end of the first semester in December and everything. So I had gone through a whole this uh, semester of drinking, partying, and throughout there we had good. We had some of the best nights of my life, and we had some poorer nights, but nothing compared to this night that we had that one night. You know, I think young people drinking and partying in college is, you know, that's very normal. Now, again, if you take it to the extreme, you know, shit happens. You know, hopefully for you, you know, this was what, three years ago now. You don't beat yourself up over it. I try not to because I, I really feel like I've I've learned from it and I've developed from it. And yeah, you're, you're young, man. I mean, if you're you know recognizing yeah. that at 19 and then you're moving forward in life being like, man, I need to change. Because again, I know since 19 to 22, you've made mistakes. We all right. And you guess what? You'll continue to make mistakes <laughs> in the future. I can promise you that. Right. So that's okay. Well, it's good that you're you're catching this early. Most people don't catch this early. They might, in my opinion, I think they, they catch it, but they they don't try to understand it. They don't see what can actually happen. And for you, you've kind of caught it and you can see because of your two brothers, you can kind of see the path that it would actually lead you down. So have you ever had a conversation with your older brothers about their substance abuse at all? They've, they've had a lot of mental pain in their life. You know, they've, they have not been dealt a good, good card in life. And I've tried to have conversations about it and understand kind of what they do. And the reason why they, they do what they do is, is because they're, they're hurt on the inside. They have, they have this suffering with them that they carry and they want to almost punish themselves. It's, it's kind of weird. So 
don't know, again, again with my brothers and everything, they, like I said, when they were young, they just had a lot of trauma and that trauma was never truly addressed. I think they did get in the mindset where they were trying to hurt themselves to get back at my mom, but also just to damage themselves because they, they don't want to feel the pain, you know? It's like, you know, I have growing up, I, I'm kind of looking at it through their their eyes as an older adult and everything because they were both older, what they might have been feeling, what they might have been thinking inside their head, what that, that little voice in their head that kicks you while you're down, what that might be saying to them about their circumstances. And my brother, he, he has, he has great heart and everything. And he, he really does try, but he, he gives up too quickly on, on things. And as it stands now, he's, he's doing well for himself, but while talking to him about his struggles and everything, it it is him in pain and him trying to stop that pain. He's trying to numb it out. He's trying to black out. He's trying to feel nothing with it. And, you know, that destructive behavior has impacts on other people. And just like my destructive behavior when I, when I was drinking that night impacted a lot of other people than myself. So in this path of trying to destroy yourself, you end up hurting other people. That's something that I understand. That's something I know my brother understands too. But, you know, in the past, he just, he just didn't care about that, you know, and that was part of the problem. Now he's, he's on a path. He's, he's clean. You know, I, I will say he still, he still smokes weed and he'll still occasionally drink. But I mean, to, to the lesser extent of what he used to do, I think that's totally fine. And someday he will have to tamper that out. So whenever you were a kid and you were, how much older are they than you? Um, One is three, one is four. Okay. So, so they're not like old. significantly older. No, they're. You guys like went to high school together. No, nah, we went to different high schools, but oh, okay. we were, we were in the same age group. Right. Yeah. Okay. So whenever you were seeing that, like, what was your, what was your feelings? Like, how did you feel towards them? Growing up, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of resentment towards them. I did not like my brothers. I did not want to be around them. Justly so. I mean, they were on drugs. They would steal from me. You know, they would they would have some really sketchy individuals over at my house. They would they would push ideals onto me too. I know at a young age, my brother really wanted to kind of shape me in the path that he was going down. And he didn't really succeed in the way he wanted. And he wasn't trying to be belligerent and he wasn't realizing he wasn't trying to destroy my life, but he was just trying to hang out with his, hang out with me and everything. He so, wanted someone to look up to him. Right. Correct. And I mean, truthfully enough, even after all the shit he's done, I, I you know, as a younger brother, you're always going to look up to your older brothers, no matter what. They're just, they're just the leader and everything. I mean, my oldest brother, I mean, this was, I hadn't talked to my oldest brother in, in like eight years or so. And my oldest brother, when I was 14, pretty much, I'm in eighth grade or something. I had just turned 14. Um, he, was, he was really in a bad point of his life. And he was rolling around with some drugs, some sketchy people. And he actually kind of took me out to uh, him and his, his older friend, took me out to kind of like a secluded area in Fort Collins. And they, they, they kind of jumped me and rolled me for, you know, $20 during at the time, which... Look at it now isn't really a lot. You know, I can't even pay my phone bill with $20. But to these people in their lifestyle, $20 was their next fix, okay. right? So there's a lot of resentment over that. And I mean, after that night, man, I, I was, you know, 
me and my brother's relationship, my oldest one kind of changed forever. You know, I was trying to figure out why it happened that way. And, you know, when I told my mom and everything about what happened, it really shifted the whole, the whole family dynamic there. And my brother ended up leaving the house and he went and stayed with that guy. And then like two months later, that dude, my brother came back. And I mean, this guy, he's, he's my age right now. He's 21, 22. I'm 14. I'm in eighth grade, you know, and I'm, I'm a big kid, but I'm still a child, right? So this dude busts in my house and my mom's at work because she worked nights and everything. And he's like, yeah, you snitched on me. You did this, blah, blah, blah. And saying that he was going to take my PS3 and everything. I'm like, all right, take it. You can leave. And then this dude just starts beating me down something fierce. I mean, like this dude just starts kicking me and punching me and stuff to where my eyes were big and swollen and big bumps my head and everything i mean keep in mind like this is a grown-ass man right. a grown-ass on drugs just beating up an eighth grader at, at that point because i told my mom that they stole 20 bucks from me so when i say like my brothers are all wrapped up in that drugs and that lifestyle that that destructive behavior kind of got passed on and ended up kind of impacting my life impacts my mom's life and I just never really talked to my brother since that day. Growing up, you know, struggling with my inner demons of drinking alcohol and smoking weed and everything, I was really looking at his life as a whole, you know. When he was young, he, you know, he had some traumatic experience happen to him. And, I mean, this man, he had, he had his, you know, at like four or five, he had to go and stay some time in a, in a hospital. And, I mean, they used to force-feed this guy lithium pills, right, you know, when at five years old. And I kind of look at that growing up and how that kind of shaped him and his experiences and everything. So I kind of look at that and I was kind of starting to kind of understand where it's coming from, right? Because obviously it was a big traumatic experience that what happened to me with him and everything. But I was, I was again coming to and kind of understanding this, this man's mindset of, of how dark your thoughts can get during really bad points of your life, right? So you know, I was eventually getting where I could talk to him. And unfortunately, you know, a couple, about a year ago, he actually ended up dying in a, in a car crash. He was on the streets in Colorado Springs and he was living that lifestyle. And him and one of his, his drug friends, you know, were, were trying to burglar a house and cops chased him. He was going a hundred miles an hour, wasn't wearing a seatbelt, hit a, hit a curb and splattered on, on the pavement. Right. It just sucks because, you know, I was getting to a point where we could have had that conversation of like, hey, man, this is what happened. Let's let's talk about it. And I was working up to it, but I never got the chance to to have that conversation with him. Eight years ago, the incident happened and everything. So it just it's just unfortunate. But um, but you're you're sitting here and you're you're thinking about what potentially could be going on in their head. Right. That's a that's a very mature mature thing to do is to sit and think, okay, if I was this person, would I be doing the same thing? What situations led up to him being the person that he is in this current moment? Most people don't do that. It's because I lived that struggle. You know, after I, I got out of that, that apartment where, you know, me and my roommates got in that fight and everything, I, re I really hit some, some bottoms in my life. And I really, I, I knew that the drinking was destructive, but I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually it just got to the point where like I was stuck at a, at a bottom level of just 
happiness in life. I was I was at the rock bottom of it, right? And then you know, shit, man. The lockdowns happened. I was gonna and, say through COVID, did yeah. you did you drink more? Did oh, you? absolutely. So, you know what sucks about it is during COVID, three days after the lockdown, uh, all the gyms closed down. Everything, as you know, I went on a run. There was construction going on, so the sidewalk was just destroyed. It was all dug up and everything. So I actually had a run on the street for probably like 30 seconds in my run. And somehow, man, I ended up hitting a speed bump so hard that my femur busted through my hip bone. And, Jesus. And I, I broke my hip. So during COVID, I literally was in lockdown, had a broken hip, had nothing to do but smoke weed and drink. And I mean, I was in a lot of pain. So obviously, like, they don't prescribe painkillers like they used to. And I wouldn't take them, but my marijuana intake, tenfold, man. I was snaking dabs. I was popping 400 milligrams of edibles a night Jeez. and stuff. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm not yeah, even joking, man. Yeah, mummy. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was blinking my whole you, brain. You remember that commercial where they were like, you smoke weed and you... Like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. He's just this flat fucking Stanley oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was fucking yeah. you. That God, was damn. me, man. And during that, I mean, man, when you have nothing to do but sit at home with not shit going on, you know, the government's giving you some money each each week to kind of survive off, you tend to just sit and think. And man, <laughs> I really, I really thought and shit got dark in my head and I reflected, I reflected on my family. I reflected on myself and my own decisions, man, for the year or so that, that the COVID was really going on during then. That's when I really had these realization of like, damn, if I'm really thinking so critical of myself during this time, what about my brothers? What, what are they thinking of? What, what goes through their head when they, when they spark up, you know, a hard drug or, or when they, they go and shoot something up, what, what is in their head that's making them hate themselves so much? Like I hate myself while, you know, off this edible that, that makes them do this. I think that kind of really helped me kind of shift how I view their situation and how I view kind of what happened to me and everything. And during that time and stuff, I mean, I mean, it got pretty bad. I just, I, you know, I went to a doctor and, you know, I feel like one of those depression anxiety surveys, you know, it's like six questions. It's like, Oh, do you worry? How many days a week do you worry? Do you feel sad sometimes? And you know, that's a gross that's, justification, but that's been a pretty common thing the last like five to six years. I feel like they make you fill that out. Even if you're just going in for like a routine right. checkup, they're asking about mental health now. And man, they, they diagnosed me with severe anxiety and, and major depression or whatever. I will say like, if you, if you ever take, if you take anything for depression, or anxiety, I really would say reevaluate and maybe reconsider. Obviously there's, there's like pills for antibiotics for infections and whatnot, but there's such a capitalistic side with the, <laughs> with the pharmacy industry oh, and yeah. depression medicines. I mean, there's a million and one. And I remember during COVID, this doctor would call me on the phone and he's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, man, my fucking sucks. And he's like, all right, we're going to up your dose. And when he would up my dose, that I would get even crazier and crazier, man. And the thoughts that would just roll through my mind and everything. Were you drinking on them too? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. But it was like, I yeah. feel like I wanted to drink more when I was when on these medicines. Oh, yeah. It just, it just made me desire drinking and stuff. I remember later in life when I turned about 20, um, 
I moved to a new apartment and because of the injury I sustained, you know, when I fought with my roommate a while back, I injured my shoulder. And since I broke my hip, I couldn't run anymore, right? So I went from injuring my shoulder to running and becoming a really good runner to breaking my hip. And I'm like, damn, time to hit upper body more. So I just started lifting weights and lifting weights and I ballooned up. But my shoulder, something always just felt off about it, right? I was like, something's just not not good about it. So I asked my hip doctor, I'm like, can you check out my shoulder? He's like, we got a shoulder guy. He gave, he gave me an MRI and he's like, hey, you got some torn labrums. Let's get you in for some surgery. So when I was 20, I went, I moved out to a new apartment, two days, got some pretty major shoulder surgery and then started the next semester of school two days later, all within a week. And man, when I was in that sling, that's that was probably some of the darkest times in my life. You know, I was on all these meds from the psychologist. I was, you know, I was crippled. The, the doctor didn't even see me. He didn't even know that I was injured, right? Because I was just talking him over the phone. And he's just like, oh, oh, you're, you know, and these were three minute conversations at most. He was just like, how are you doing? Oh, it's not working more drugs here you go you know crank it up and it got pretty destructive and my arm just i i wasn't doing my physical therapy because during you know october of that month i i got in this mindset and this is kind of what i think my brothers almost think of it was like damn i don't want to live i don't want to be alive or anything this sucks i hate life but i don't want people to be angry at me if i just you know went and, and killed myself or something like that so i got this mindset where i'm like me, if I died of an alcohol overdose, you know, it wouldn't be my fault. So I spent a good month of my life literally drinking from within a span of six hours. I would drink 1.75 was a handle of vodka or whatever within a night, you know, and I would drink it. And I would wake up the next morning and I'd be like, damn, mission failed. I'd go through a day of school. And then as soon as the night came down, rinse and repeat. Right. And during this time, you know, my friends, they, they were just watching me absolutely just destroy myself. And just that mindset I got into, you know, I didn't realize that at the time, but it was, I was, I was trying to drink myself to death and I was trying to use that as a just, justification and say, you know, oh, it was a alcohol overdose. So it, no one could be angry at me when truthfully deep down inside, I knew exactly what I was doing. All my friends knew exactly what I was doing. Right. So during this time, did you ever... Did you ever open up to your friends or anything about it? Oh, I I, t I told them a few times um, about kind of what I was doing, and I'm sure when I was drunk, they they got some pretty pretty embarrassing phone calls from me and everything. And I mean, okay, so before you got drunk, did you open up to them about what you were going through, what you were feeling at all? I talked to them, and they knew, and we we had some some pretty interesting conversations and everything. But I don't think they could have stopped me during that time. Um, they definitely helped help me not, not go over the edge, mm -hmm. but we, we, we chatted and they, they knew it was up. And I mean, they also knew the situation, you know, I was, I was 20. My only outlook in life was exercise. And I also came to a halt when I got that surgery. And then after that, you know, I had nothing else going on. It was COVID. It was all locked down. You know, this was like a year after I got my friend's car stolen and I was still just struck about that. Right. I just couldn't, I was in, I was trapped in that mindset of like, nothing's ever going to get better. And they, they tried. I mean, they talked to their parents about me and everything and they would call me. And I mean, they were there to talk to me and it really took a lot to kind of get me back on track. You know, pretty much what happened was, you know, there was one night where 
I had drank, I drank a lot. Right. And you know, during all this, when I was 18, I bought, I bought my, I rescued a dog from, from the humane society and I named him Zoloff, which is, you know, (laughs) pretty, pretty funny, but he, he, he definitely got me through this time too. And I would just end it right then and there. You know, I was, I just knew that this dog was so attached to me and he would be so sad if, if he couldn't live with me anymore or if I died or anything like that between my friends and that dog, it kind of, it kind of helped not push me to the edge. But like I said, I was still being destructive and, and still just trying to drink myself to death with the excuse of it wouldn't be my fault. Right. And there was one night where, you know, I got so drunk, my friend came over and stuff and he was, he was drunk too. You know, I was not as much as me. And I just was like, I was just done. I just passed out on the bed and everything. And man, I remember I woke up, you know, the next day, soaked in my own piss, right? I, I admittedly pissed into the bed more as an adult than I did as a kid, right? Because I would just drink to where I couldn't even get up to use the bathroom over the night. I remember waking up one morning, my dog was under the bed. He wasn't even sleeping on the bed because it was all wet and stuff. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I was like, I'm either, I either just got to do it or I got to learn to to live life. And, and this is last year or year before? No, this is probably like two years ago, you know. So 21. Is, yeah, 21, okay. you know, going going to 21. I was just like, man, I got I got to stop what I'm doing. So I just cut alcohol, cold turkey, and, you know, I, I still smoked weed because I was like, I still got to have something. Then, you know, I told the doctor, I was like, fuck these pills. I'm not taking them anymore. We're done here. So I weaned myself off medication to kind of help get me to a baseline about it and once i got off the meds and everything i was thinking more clear and i was like all right it's it's time to boss up you know so i went i got a new job and i was i was playing the stock market at the time and you know the government when they were giving that that stimulus and then the, the unemployment checks and everything i was investing that in the stock market you know and i made i made a little licking for myself sold sold it all and i went and i bought my homie a brand new jeep I was like, it's time to kind of make amends. It's been it's been over a year since I got your car stolen. Let me let me make this right. So I went, I bought him a Jeep for his birthday. I I decked it out with a really nice sound system, you know, two 12 inch subwoofers and everything. Like I <laughs> I went above and beyond on this just to just to make and do my right. And you know, I was working at a phone store, right? And talk about capitalism. We did a lot of capitalistic stuff in that store. <laughs> And I just, I just started grinding and truthfully, I just hadn't done my physical therapy. I just, my shoulder never healed quite right. And obviously going from being able to lift hundreds of pounds over your head to not even lift up your arm, you tend to kind of get in this mindset of you're going to be crippled. You're going to be crippled your whole life. And it took a lot to kind of realize that it's not the same shoulder, but I can still work with what I have. So I started going to the gym and man, I started hitting it again and hitting it again and hitting it again. Something was still missing about it. Right. And my friend, he, the guy I trained with Justin, everything, he, he was sending me on a good workout path and eventually, you know, something snapped and I'm like, all right, I'm going to really hone in the diet and everything. And I really just focused on this one grind, this one thing. And I cut out, I cut out the weed, I cut out the alcohol and I just focused on that you know, all of a sudden I was, I was 260 pounds and I just kept losing weight and I dropped all the way down to like 
200 to, you know, 190 and everything. And once I kind of had that level of success where I was like, man, I really, I really put my mind to this. I really focused on the grind. I really found a way to really escape a lot of what was going on in my life. Then I decided that's, that's when I finally felt, I was like, man, I, I'm excited to live life now. You know, I'm excited to, I'm excited for tomorrow. You know, I want to see what tomorrow brings me. And, you know, I was, I was like, I'm player one in this, in this, real life video game you know with all these npcs i am i am player one <laughs> you know and mm -hmm. i got in that mindset and i just got elevated and this new motivation and this newfound discipline that i never have had before right and i really just think back to you know all the struggles of when i when i was younger and then coming up and everything and and how that that shaped me but that did not define me and i know that definitely with suicidal thoughts and everything, there's such a taboo about it, right? Everyone thinks that, you know, if you feel some sort of way, you go to a doctor, you get a medicine, and you're not supposed to feel that sort of, that sort of way. But when there's so much external factors mm -hmm. playing, so you have to wonder, you know, what the underlying reason is and that that's just something you go through as, as people and everything. You know, it's not, you're not different. You're not selfish because you have those, those internal feelings of like, damn, I, I want to disappear. I don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be alive. It's because of, of what's going on. And if you just remember that and you work through it and you find, you find a grind, you find a hustle, you can, you can really get through it. It's really tough, especially when you're going through that, when you're having those thoughts, it's really tough to snap out of that right. and have the motivation talks with yourself. The whole, oh, well, it's okay for me to feel this way. This is a normal human experience that I'm having. And I'm not the only one having this. And it's okay that I feel this way. And to remind yourself that you're going to have these thoughts, but there's there's greater good on the other side. And it's really hard for people to think that way whenever they're already, you know, they're saying whatever to themselves. I'm a piece of shit. I'm nothing. When you beat yourself down so much internally, and especially when external factors, like you said, are playing a role in that, it you just you are at the bottom. You're almost already in the grave. You are already almost dead. And to come out of that is extremely tough. I don't I've never been there, I would say, but I can understand where people really beat themselves down so much to where they already feel dead, so they might as well be dead. Oh, I think that's that's happening on a, I mean, national, not national. It's global. a it's a global mm -hmm. phenomena because we've brought people up. The quality of life is so high now, because even going, you know, you've had a hard life growing up. You've still had running water, a roof over your head. You've had transportation. You know, you've had a decent life. So what happens is we kind of all get in our own heads now, and that's what you're feeling. That's why you know you listen to our stories. Why we. It's just we have so much to think about. I mean, just recording this podcast is absurd. I mean, mm -hmm. the equipment to do it, the time to do it, the like just actually having these thoughts to form and be able to communicate with one another. You know, before we'd be like, all right, well, we better get this fire started. We got to go out and hunt. We got to gather food. Sun like, coming down. Sun yeah. skip. And like it's humanity's life has been so hard for humans until now. It's a different type of hard now. Completely. And we're all going through it. And that's yep. what this whole podcast really was started for, mm -hmm. honestly. I think most people, I don't want to say most people, I think a good portion of people are actually kind of where you're at as far as your headspace 
of actually going through things. Like today, my my best friend Lane, the one who sings our intro song, he called me and he was like, "Hey, a buddy of ours that we graduated with killed himself today." Yeah, they want to know that killed him, killed himself today. Well, it was yesterday, but they found him today, and he was he was doing pretty decent for himself. You know, he had a hard life growing up. The little bit I know about it, and he just had a newborn baby, and oh, I think that was his second kid. And he, Damn. yeah, he he took his own life, and so I think he didn't have anybody to open up to because he lived back home. So Lane would always see him. He was like, man, he was always, he was always a happy dude every time I was around him. But that's how you kind of figure he's actually going through things. Because he, ne- I have a feeling he never actually opened up and was vulnerable with anybody or maybe nobody ever listened to him whenever he was really screaming for help. And I think a good portion of people are in that headspace. And right. I feel like you were probably in that headspace as well, listening to you right now. Right. And if I didn't have my dog and I didn't have you know my two friends from school, things could have been things could have been much different for me and i look back and i just i'm so grateful for for what they did i'm so grateful they 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 didn't just turn their back on me and be like man it's a lost cause you know i'm i'm so grateful they stuck through me with me during some of the arguably the darkest time of my life you know them being there really has has shaped me and that's that's part of the reason why i came on this podcast is i just want to go on here and let, let everyone know like like you you ain't alone you know you you gotta go tell somebody you got and you're not weak you're not less of a man you're not you're not a selfish person you're not you shouldn't feel guilty for what you're going through even if you have a roof over your head even if you know you have money you have a good job you have a good life and everything it's human nature to you know for some of us to kind of think that way and and to be that way and you can't compare yourself to to others, you gotta compare your situation, and if you're feeling some type of way, let let that be known. And you don't have to go get a therapist. You don't have to go to a doctor, fill out a questionnaire, man. I mean, shit, just go go grab a meal with your friend and just kind of chat with your friends and see what's going on. You know, go go join a a, a message board or something online, or just try to create a positive environment for yourself. I would I would say. You know, for for men, not that women don't go through the same thing, but I'm going to speak primarily to men for this one because male suicide rate is substantially high, substantially higher it than- It must women. be insane right now. Yeah. I don't know if they're publishing these numbers, but if your buddy just killed himself, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the number of suicides I've known the last decade of my life is way higher than any other death. I know a couple of people who've committed suicide growing up in my life. Not one of them was a woman. Every single, every single one of them has it been. Not, not saying that women don't go through this at all either, because I'm sure they fucking do. But I mean, speaking to men here, because most men don't open up. We are not vulnerable at all. If you have like a someone you, you consider a best friend, at least talk to that motherfucker. I don't care who it is. Talk to your mom. Talk to your dad. Whoever you have that's really close to to you in your life. I think it's very important for you to open up. Don't feel as if you need to be this manly figure that's, if you open up that you're no longer manly. Dude, we go through shit too. Like you, you need to voice it. You have to have someone there to listen to you and don't get out of your own head. It's okay for a man to feel this way. Do not let society 
tell you otherwise. Oh, it's not manly because you fuck that. If it's it's your life, I I need you to open up yourself. It's okay. So I'm curious, are you uh, sober today? I am sober yeah, today. Yeah, yeah um, and you know. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not still completely. You know, hundred percent. I've cut everything out. My friend's on the deck. He he has a blunt ready for me. Shit, I'll, I'll take a drag on it and stuff. But that's <laughs> no, okay. No, no, I'm just. Uh, I'm curious. I, no no I, alcohol or uh, alcohol? No. And I, you know, if I do drink alcohol, it's like oh, I drink a shot of vodka with a soda water, and then I chase it with two glasses of water. Right. Mm-hmm. I am really aware of what I do. So and you're like very conscious about your substance. You're not, correct. it's not like I won't touch anything. It's you're very conscious about correct. it. Correct. And, okay. and I, you know, I try and it's, it's un, unreasonable in my life right now to say that I'm going to go hundred percent completely sober. I'm not going to do anything. That's just, you know, in this, you know, this town, this is kind of a party town and, and you're stuff. 22. Yeah. You I'm know, 22. I, mean. just, I live in Colorado, you know, this we, is, Fort Collins is the beer capital of America, I believe. There's yeah. so many fucking breweries yeah. here. Right. So it's it's unfeasible to drink, but you got you got to do it for the right reasons. I'm not doing it because I'm in a sling. I hate my life and I want to be drunk. I'm doing it because I'm with my friend. We're trying to loosen up. We're trying to have fun and stuff. And or I'm doing it because it's my it's my day off. And you know I just want to you know mellow out for a couple hours and everything. Right. I am conscious, and someday I do wish to be completely drug and alcohol free. I think that is the the master goal in life. But like all goals, you gotta work at it, mm-hmm. you know. And from where I was when I was nineteen, twenty, versus where I am now, I, I'd say, you know, I, I if I could look back at me where I was younger, I'd be proud of myself today for what I've accomplished, what I've done. Because as younger, you get in the mindset of like, I'm gonna be crippled and overweight forever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be predisposition to be on drugs and everything i'm never gonna stop man or or man you just you get in that mindset and now looking at how i have a mindset now it's like i don't i don't have to i don't have to be drunk forever i can you know i can work with my body and and what i have to work with and i can learn to to be happy with that right you know like i said i i try as the ultimate goal but at this point in my life there's going to be some weekends where I, I smoke and there's going to be some weekends where I drink and, but I'm, I'm going to be conscious of it. And I damn well will never finish the, a handle of vodka or, or pot 400 milligrams of edibles in a night I mean, that's, <laughs> ever again. That's awesome. man. just being conscious of it. Cause when I was your age, I wasn't at all. I mean, that's where it's like kudos to you for being self-aware that way. I was just like, Oh, I'm invincible. I love getting fucked up. I love hooking up. Like, I mean, you listen to mine, it's like that was such a big thing through my 20s. Right. And I, I let that train run a long time because I never got in trouble. I never drank and dro- drove, you know, as far as I knew, I didn't have a kid. Obviously, I did. Um, but it's I wish I had something like this to like look at because I think this would help me reflect on my own life of just like, ah, is this really value adding to my life? You know, even though I w- might not have been getting in trouble like you were or drinking as much as you, it still wasn't something that what it was benefiting my life at all. You know? Right. I think that's awesome that, you know, would you say a lot of your friends your age are self-aware to that? Or would you say a lot of people are just trying to party and have fun and not I, as conscious? I say it's a mix of both. I got, I got friends that are aware and that don't care. I got friends that are unaware. And then I got, I got some friends that 
you know, that are kind of like me, they're conscious of it, you know? And like I said, everybody, everybody has that voice in their head. They all have that, your own conscious and, and their own decision-making processes. And as long as they are a positive influence in my life, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, it's, it's their life, but the second they try to hold me down and, and the second somebody drags me down and tries to put me on a level where I was, I'll have to exit them or, or take a break from them in my life and surround myself with a little more conscious of people though. So it's exactly what you have to do. Yeah. I think you have to surround yourself around people you, you could see yourself being in a way, right. people who lift you up, you know, like I'm around Eric dude is successful in my eyes. You know, I don't hang out with fucking hooligans really, but that's, that, I mean, that's what you got to put yourself around. Right. It gives you something else to, to look up to in a way, because where I'm from, not a lot of people are really trying, not everybody, but not a lot of people are really trying to do better for themselves or get out of their comfort zone like you are, which I applaud you 100% with actually yeah. realizing that you need to get out of here. Right. And do something better for your life. I, I told you this already. It's going to do wonders for you as a human. You're going to be way better off, 100% way better off than if you were to stick around here and be around the exact same shit. Sure. So so good for you. Thank you, man. For getting out of yeah. here. That's Because it, it's a huge step. It's scary. It's not, it's not like you're not nervous or not afraid, but you know that not trying is worse than actually going out there and seeing what it's about. That's right where I'm at with it. I, I have to pop this, this comfort I built, you know, to pop that cherry <laughs> to really, to really develop and expand my life. And who knows what's going to happen down there. When I move, it might, it might be a negative point in my life and I might have to rechange environments again. It might be the best time of my life so far. And like I said, I'm excited and I'm scared. When I was 18 and I graduated high school and I left, I had no real real sense of what it was to be on your own, right? So I had no fear. I was gun-ho. I was like, I left that life behind and I was like, time to be independent, sufficient. After getting some years of being independent and living in my own everything and going through what I've gone through, I'm I'm terrified to move. And it's just because I know what it is to to live on your own, to to survive, to be being this world as, as an adult. And, but that fear is not deterring me from leaving. That fear is, it's, it's easy to get, to get, to let fear kind of be the, the thing that stops you. Mm. And I'm not. You got to push, push through. Yeah. And on the other side, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm going to meet new people, new connections. I mean, I mean, I still meet new people in Fort Collins today. I met, I met you guys and stuff. I met mm. you at the gym and at you today so it's <laughs> <laughs> who knows the figures i meet in florida you know so i mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be a great great part part of my life i think and we'll just have to take it one day at a time absolutely congrats for appreciate getting it. the fuck out of here dude i'm happy for you I, I tell everybody that's like my biggest thing anytime i talk to somebody who's young it's like oh did you grow up here yeah i get the fuck out get out because especially if you have the opportunity to a lot of times people are yeah locked in for xyz reason but if you have the opportunity to leave there's yeah there's no sure. reason i mean to. i <laughs> for sure i was kind of locked but this wasn't like an overnight decision either i mean it this, never is this took year like a year or so of planning i really wanted to move a year or two ago and 
I just didn't because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I saw our new job. I just wasn't in a good place. And, you know, but it was always in the back of my mind. So don't don't have a specific plan for the future, but generically kinda kinda set your goals for something you want, mm-hmm. you know? Always, always set goals. My goal was to get out. My goal was to, you know, really lock in on my fitness. My goal was to get my, my, my financials kind of locked down and everything and work on goals. You know, a goal is something that you're, you're not going to do tomorrow. A goal is something that you have to constantly grind on mm-hmm. to obtain. It's not a straight line to, right. to your goal. There's right. all these different and steps. Sometimes goals adapt. Sometimes goals change. But never, never the pro. You never lose the progress, and you never, you never stop grinding to get to the to a big picture goal, right? I'm curious in the uh, stock market. Was it the uh, short squeezes that you did, or the AMC and all that? Oh man, I I started GameStop, GameStop, all that. No, <laughs> so I I didn't really do much of those. It, okay. I did. I found out how to do marginal investing on Robinhood and. I just one day I would buy it and then I would just get lucky and sell it and it would drop the next day and I would rebuy it the day after that. And were you buying like small caps? No, I was or? buying like you know Google, part of Google, part of Amazon. Um, okay, so you're kind of sticking with large the caps Fortune 500 stuff. type of stocks. And this you was know? all through like 2021. Yeah, so I didn't okay. start investing right. until right after COVID when they all just just plummeted. Uh-huh. Yeah, so after they plummeted. I, I I started throwing money in and you know like I said I was on the the unemployment stimulus and yeah I, <laughs> hey it was not a, I mean fuck we yeah I'm being the markets after that yeah so. and I I know yeah. I wasn't the only person putting that money in the stock no, market because throw, throw a dart dart at a board and any investment you would have killed right it, yeah. not anything so yeah. I just you know I just kept playing at it and like I said it grew and it got to a point where. No, I didn't make like hundreds of thousands, right? I made like a couple ten, twenty thousand dollars, and at nineteen, that's of course a shit ton. But in the grand scheme, I mean, I wish I had an extra nineteen thousand right now, right? That'd be real nice. But I just knew that, like, man, I would rather. The only thing I want to spend this on is making making it right with my friend, and you know, obviously, he understood the situation, and he he wasn't angry about about the car. You know, I remember when his car got stolen. I texted some cryptid texts. I was like, Hey man, don't worry about it. You can have my nice car. I'm going to, I'm going to figure something else out. And then I just kind of turned my phone and went dark on him. And I remember he, he actually went to my house and kind of like banged on my door and came in. He was like, Hey man, you know, fuck a car. We got each other. Uh, you know, I, That's a real friend. I really was. So I, I got the car to make it right with myself. And he, he, he at no point was he like, man, you owe me a car. You got to buy. He never, he never had that. He, he understood. And he wasn't angry about it. I would always drive him around and stuff just cause I wanted to, I, I was trying to be good and give him rides and everything. And I was like, man, I got all this money from the government. I want to spend this on my friend. I want to make it right. So that's what I did. And I got it. I got them all set up and you know, it's funny. I only wanted him to have that car for like a year. I got him a jeep and it had some maintenance issues on it i got some stuff fixed but i was like i want him to have this car just to get him off his feet so he can go buy himself like a nice twenty thousand dollar car but shit, i mean it's been two years and he still drives the same jeep so i'm glad i i got that for him and you know i'm happy i'm happy he was understanding the situation and he was he was honestly kind of pissed i got on the car he was so when, once those two subs hit 
the look on his face, he was like, no way this, this fucker just bought me a car. You know, he was like, there's no fucking way. And the look on his face, like oh, I'm recording and that, that look is, that look was worth every penny. So I feel good about it. Good. Right. Good, man. Would you say, I mean, I'm kind of curious, like for the future, do you have, well, it sounds like you do. Do you, you have hope? You have hope for your future. I really do. And I, I'm excited to, to live life and, I'm not going to lie. There are, there are some nights I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, and I get in that mindset again. I'm like, damn, life kind of sucks right now. You know, maybe I'm stressed out about a credit card balance or maybe I'm stressed out because of something that happened at work or something. And I'm just like, man, what is, what is life? What is this economy I was born into? You know, what is, what is all of this? The next day I wake up and most of the time it's all better. Like I said, there's there's gonna be some some days that my mood's a little lower. There's gonna be some days that my mood's a little chipper. But as long as it's trending up and as long as I'm chasing that dream, as long as I have goals, I have hope. <laughs> what would you say to people that were in your situation to get them out of their little rut that they were in, the little depression or anxiety that they were having? Man, it's not permanent. Once you kind of go through it. It changes who you are and it can change you for the better. And only you can change your mindset too. You know, only you can, you can have all the external forces pushing you towards that direction, but you have to be the one to flip that switch and be like time to, to make that change. And it might take some time. You're not less of a person for feeling that way. You're not a weak person or anything, but you control your inner thoughts in a way. It, it was weird. So your mind and your body, they're not two separate things. They're one, they're one part of the, of the same machine, right? So, you know, you got your heart that pumps blood, you know, you got your lungs that do the oxygen, you got your stomach, your muscles, and then your brain is just another part of that. And that, that little voice in your head that makes you be so negative sometimes, that is a part of your body. And like any part of your body, like a muscle or something, you got to work it out. You got to put the time towards it but you have to be dedicated to fixing it, right? So don't give up. Keep working on it is what I would say. And just know that you, it's not a separate being. It's not somebody in your head telling you to, to be down like that. That's you. So train your mind to, to not do that and be compassionate for yourself too. Understand, understand the situation you're going through. Understand why you're going through it. Reflect on it. Reach out, reach out to somebody. But don't hate yourself because of it. I like that a lot. I think yeah. a lot of people need to hear that right now. Yeah. A lot of people. Being compassionate with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Those are powerful words there, Mr. Eisen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, I'm proud of you for getting out of the situation that you did growing up and what you went through at 18, 19, 20. I think it took a lot of maturity for you to have the mindset and the thoughts that you did to think of other people and to have compassion for yourself, which it sounds like you did. I'm proud of you for actually getting out of here, realizing that you need to grow as a person and making changes in a different state, different city, make new connections, new challenges. And most people need to do that, in my opinion. I think that's amazing. I'm going to contact you in a couple months, too, <laughs> and check on you and see uh, sure. see how everything's going. I'd, I'd be happy to give you an update, man. Absolutely. You know? That's what it's about, man. This is what this podcast is about. This is why we started this, is for you or whoever to reach out to us and be like, Hey, I think I have a story that could relate to somebody out there. Everybody has a story that someone can relate to. I came on here. Like I said, us as people, 
we all have this underlying pain and we might not have the same circumstance, but us humans understand that. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what background you have or anything. There's always this, this humanity level of, of pain that, that us as humans have, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I even think like Bill Gates or, or somebody is, is sitting there some nights just thinking like, damn, you know, this, this really it. And he got divorced what a couple years ago yeah Yeah. so all those billionaires got divorced uh, it's like i like i said i appreciate what you guys did you guys came on here and just being vulnerable and opening up it's it's therapeutic and i listened to you guys and i was like holy shit i i gotta come on here i gotta gotta share my story because maybe somebody hears it and they get that holy shit they're like damn that makes a lot of sense so i just i just want to help i want to spread a positive message you know even though Overall, the stories seem kind of down at the end of the day. Pause messages. I'm here today. Mm-hmm. I'm on this podcast. I'm talking to you guys and I'm sharing it. And some days, somewhere, someone else can do the same thing. So, absolutely. You know, I appreciate you guys definitely giving me the opportunity. Yeah. yeah Thanks for, for developing me. Come on. <laughs> in a way. 100%. So, 100%. You're killing it, man. Yeah. Thank so you. Yeah. Keep it going. I hope Florida goes well for you. It's a god awful state. I hope it it goes well for you. You know, if if there's anyone out there listening right now and you can relate to story, you know, hit us up on any of the socials. Like, hit me up. He DM slide. Okay. (laughs) He he got on the podcast. So if there's anybody out there that is like relates to his story, or if there's anybody out there that thinks they have a story that they want to share with people that someone can relate with, hit us up. We'll definitely try to get you on if we can. If you're not in the state, we'll we'll figure something out to at least communicate with you and share your story to the best of our ability. You know, and this is why we this is why we started the podcast. Okay, guys. Yeah. Thanks for doing what you do. Oh, God bless you, sir. <laughs> appreciate it. No, appreciate yeah. the positive feedback too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk to y'all next week. This has been Less Tech More Neck. I'm Devonte, and this is Eric. Less <laughs> <laughs> Tech More Neck. Mm, I hear what I say. Let's take my neck for your mother and your brother. We gonna hear from Eric and Devante. It's strange times and these are strange days, and it's strange people living strange ways. So expect. Let's take my neck. <laughs>